0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin Inna Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta taj'alul hazna idha shi'ta sahla Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatika ya karim Asalam alaykum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Jazakum khair for your patience we just had a few issues there uh so um Uh, the there are two things first of all obviously now the lesson has moved now to between Maghrib and Isha and there's not actually that many lessons left uh before we break for Ramadan so uh, and break for our academic uh, break um so that's going to be what how many lessons we've got um, may 26th taqrib and friday Mm -hmm. is Ramadan so the Wednesday before that will be the 24th of may so what's that There'll be four there, isn't it? There'll be another five in April, so nine lessons basically, eight nine lessons. Yeah, um, a couple of them will be from abroad, uh, from the Haramain. Inshallah, hope to get that sorted. Uh, that will not be next week, but the two lessons after, uh, for the local folks here, um, uh, might do those live, maybe, uh, and if not, then um, we'll just do them, you know, as as they are. Uh, record them as they are. Inshallah, we'll see how that goes and um but the majority of them will be will be in between maghrib and isha but please keep an eye on the uh resources section where there says schedule so on your portal resources schedule and you see all the times for the next few weeks there in front of you so that you don't get caught out in that manner okay so what i wanted to uh do uh first of all is to just basically recap or no or actually say that Uh, What we had last week was all a bit of a mishmash Kind of, you know, I was high and all that kind of thing and whatever Um, But now I'm back down to earth There's Allah to Arfan and so on Other other folks with your dua and everything And what I realized is that even though we kind of touched upon different things We really didn't follow any structure last week and that's not right that's not what we're meant to be doing so we're going to go back to the actual beginning of the translation i think basically i decided to translate off the translation and we just went boof into some god knows another planetary kind of system and we kind of went around a few times we came back and then we didn't like it and then we went back off again but today what we're going to do is that we're going to stick to what sheikh Uthamin says himself in the book in his commentary, examples that he gives, so that everyone has heard the arguments properly. Okay, everyone has seen the score and knows exactly what's going on. So, um, I think it's fair to say that we would be uh, um, uh, at the section where it says that he hides his face. If you can just uh, uh, bring up the uh, text, so basically uh, the text would be, "ويقرأه uh, في السدل uh, so it is uh, disliked in the prayer to practice saddle which is hanging which the, uh, hanging things and letting things just like uh, yani not really be uh, uh, wrapped up properly to close yourself up in a manner which doesn't allow or give you any opening and to cover your face men and women and then to cover your mouth and your nose specifically in some kind of manner and then to fold up your sleeves or to uh uh, sorry to uh uh draw up yeah to draw up your sleeves or draw up your garments or fold them okay so we're still following on from it is hated yeah, so to wa kefu كم, uh, the kum is the sleeve, but the sleeve is hair men in a general sense. And kuf means to stop, yeah, I mean, to, to 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 hang and to pull and whatever. So it's to draw up, and wa wa means to fold up. Wa shad ka zunar and I think that's why we went off on a tangent, and then to basically uh, to tie a belt around yourself like the zunar, and we said that the zunar is the cincher. Which is that specific kind of rope that monks wear that has that tassels at the end and it doesn't really go around tight but it kind of hangs kind of a little bit yep uh and it is impermissible to show off with uh your garments and other things and uh uh, uh likewise uh it is impermissible so this like, this uh, this and is linked to impermissible and not hated and, uh, photo- and, and uh, draw picture making is impermissible, and its use, the use of those pictures, okay, or drawing pictures, or making pictures, and I want to keep that phrase as open as possible. We had a massive discussion about Tasweer, and we're going to try and go a different direction. Uh, Shaykh Uthamim is very clear in his prohibition, and you're going to see what he says about that. So, that's the translation. We've definitely covered the first two, uh, with the, the first three, in a lot of detail. So, it's actually where we come to this part. Um, let's actually read from covering the face. And he says, This is for men and women, this is for insan, and this is at the top of page 193. And he goes, that This is oh, when they're praying, and this is because it can create yani, gham. And Gham here is a very general phrase that he's trying to make. It means it can close things off. It can make a person feel a bit strange. It can also look strange. So that word Gham is, is, is meaning everything and anything. Okay? But more specifically, he's saying, سجدى, that And the other problem is that when he makes sajda, then he's actually intentionally putting a barrier in between himself and his sajda place. And that's something which is disliked. That's something which is disliked in principle. Person doesn't do that intentionally. Now, if a person wears a hat normally and a person wears a turban normally, then they're not to remove their turban just because they pray, just because a little bit is touching. That's acceptable. But when a person intentionally puts something on, uh, well, I, I mean, a person was to put something on to intentionally avoid touching the floor. That's a problem. Okay, and what's the problem? You might say the problem is your mindset. There's a big discussion about all of this okay you know actually the next five or six uh, uh, parts of the sentence are all about mindset and that's what makes this all a little bit subjective okay that's why you've got a very good and strong legal statement that he said is disliked he's not going to go and say it's haram even though hadith would indicate from its original reading that these things are haram because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam naha prohibited so 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 when the Prophet sentence is prohibited and the scholars then in the end turn around and say to you it's disliked you know there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes and you know that there's a lot of thinking going behind what exactly is the illa What's the reason that the prophet ﷺ is trying to suggest is what is making these things haram and if you think about it what the what what's causing a problem with something being on the face is going to be the same problem with with what is being hung from the 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 the, the shoulders which is going to be the same problem as whether your sleeves are folded or not, whether it's going to be the same problem about how you lift your dress or your hem up, and it's going to be the same problem if you're wearing trousers, do you fold them up like the ania at the bottom, which is going to be the same issue about how you wear a belt, which is going to be the same issue about what is below the ankles, is not the hellfire, as the Prophet said. I want you to focus on this point. All right, mindset here has to have a play. It has to. Otherwise, we find these things very difficult to understand. Now, we said before that it is one of the most difficult things to do to try and guess what Allah intends behind a hukm to identify the illah. And we can maybe guess at hikam, wisdoms, and guessing at wisdoms does not give us, therefore, the legal answer to be able to then understand the ruling. Now, you might say, that's good enough. We just sumi'na wa ta'na. We're here and obey and that's it. But no, we need to know what the illah is or try to identify it because then we may qiyas. Then we start to make analogy based upon it. If we know what the real original ruling is, then the scholars can then start to then give fatwa on other issues that are not mentioned because they know for certain why something is prohibited. However, if you think you know what something is prohibited for or you're surmising that these are some of the wisdoms why something is prohibited, it's impossible for you to make an analogy, a legal analogy upon that and then prohibit something else. You know what I'm saying? And I've given this example a million times. We know for certain that alcohol is prohibited because of its intoxication effect. That's his phraseology as well. Khamar is that which covers the mind, Yani, from the khimar which covers the face, and the head which comes from the khumur which covers things. So it's clear what Khamar is prohibited for, and therefore every drug and heroin, opiate and this that whatever, which is doing the same kind of function, then it also has the same ruling, because we're not surmising, we know what the illa is. There's a consensus on what the illa is, the companion said it's Ummul Khaba'ith and for that reason it lowers inhibitions and when anything else does that then it's prohibited. So it's important for us to know that this area we cannot make any Qiyas. I'll tell you straight, okay, there's so much subjectivity and that's what we're going to open up for and hear your opinions and see what you think as well. So the covering of the face here in terms of uh, it uh, 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 looking strange, they said. And strange we already defined that when you're when you're wearing things which do not look at uh, uh, the best in terms of zina there's a problem of course in the prayer and also um here the sheikh says it has mentioned last week if there's a reason for a person to cover his face for example, he's about to sneeze and so all of a sudden he gathers something and he covers his face to sneeze into this is something permissible. And because the Sheikh considers it obligatory for a woman to wear niqab, meaning to cover her face at all times, but not in the prayer because of this hadith, therefore there's a contradiction. What happens? The answer is, is that if a foreigner was to go by, then the woman is obligated, according to the Hanbali madhab, to cover the face. Class position, not obligated, because we do not believe that the original case is obligation for the woman to cover her face so therefore she doesn't have to cover her face when she is uh, when someone is passing uh, by so I, I just want to make that clear as a class position and the position of sheik Al Uthaymeen. and actually the position sheik Al is a position of the modern-day kind of scholars from the Najd that region it is not technically a humbling position although the issue of Niqab is a very interesting discussion and in in fact I wrote an article now subhanallah I think 10-12 years ago or whenever it was that Jack Straw Yanis yeah, said that I'm not going to see that girl in my thingy who's the sister actually of one of the brothers who comes to this masjid by the way okay that the girl who uh sorry beg your pardon the sister-in-law of one of the brothers who comes to this masjid she was the person who was the teacher that was told that you have to remove that if you're going to speak to me okay Jack Straw who was then foreign secretary and of course is still the MP of Blackburn and I wrote an article about that at that time and uh for the muslim for the non-muslim audience there was something i was saying for the muslim audience i showed that actually all four imams consider it obligatory at different obligatory at different times for a woman to cover her face at different times but not as a normative position so it got very difficult and i'm not going to open up the chapter here either it gets difficult because it comes down to desires it comes down to beauty it comes down to the sexual tension in society there's a lot of subjectivity that was going on they all added caveats they all said that yani, yeah, it becomes obligatory if 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 and so therefore again subjectivity caveats realities in society lots of that and you should know if you don't know already but you certainly should know that the current kind of dominating scholars in Saudi who therefore because of the money and because of our respect for Saudi because of their political power therefore becomes a, quite a big voice for the rest of the world okay and we will study one study one of their books and I'll just give you an example look at the back of this none of you have ever asked or seen but if you look at the back of this book it says there 18 Saudi reals okay now 18 riyals for one of these volumes is very cheap these are all subsidized all of these books are available uh, free on Sheikh Arif website now uh, lots of the people have donated and whatever whatnot there's no doubt about it that when you throw money at something it gets spread okay there's a reason that I'm teaching this it, it fell into my hands the teachers fell into my hands the knowledge fell into my hands it could have been something else and when you're spreading knowledge you have to understand that there are political factors there are financial factors and we've got to be aware of that okay the Hanafi method of dominating the world isn't a surprise it's not because the Hanafi fiqh is the greatest okay but it's because of political reasons that spread it so far that there's locations of fiqh in certain areas of the world is because of people being yani commanders and conquests occurring according to a certain opinion Yani, it's very clear geographical factors and so on and so forth so we need to understand that there are uh, that's obviously if you don't appreciate that then you don't put up a defense and you just accept the knowledge as if it's coming without any strings but you need to be clear and academically honest enough that nothing comes without strings and nothing comes without conditions and nothing is there just you know by the sake of it. And you need to be aware that the scholars that you're studying from and the fiqh that is coming to you does have its own issues. And one of the very popular principles okay, from the school of the scholars of Najd and Saudiya and the top ulama, even though they are Hanbalis, they do depart from Hanbali positions and in one of the main ways is that they play the asl, the, 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 the principle which is very strongly played in all their fiqh of sadd al or sadd al which is to close the door or blocking the means. What does that mean? It means we're not taking any risks. So if we see the potential for something to happen further down the road, we're going to close that door right now. And that fit comes everywhere so that niqab situation is very clear we don't care if then if there's if there's no uh, sexual attacks or this or that whatever whatnot but it could happen and we don't care if you don't like it look at the alternative in the west and look at the alternative in the, in egypt and look at pakistan and look at whatever and compare it that's how that would work and the driving situation will be the same that how can you let the woman go out what happens if there's an accident and then she's by herself and she's this and she's that? so there's a lot of what ifs what ifs what ifs what ifs now that is not illegitimate This is a legitimate principle that's being played, but it'd be also fair for someone like myself to say, you guys have killed it. Meaning that that card is being played with everything and anything. That's legitimate for me to say that and it's legitimate for them to say that we can't kill it enough. Yes, because actually nearly everything that they've used it in, they've proven that they had a point. Nearly in every single area, nearly in every single issue, we can argue or they can put a very strong argument forward to say, so what happened to your women? What happened to your values? What happened to your women driving? What happened to X? What happened to Y? And it becomes a debate. The point is, it can become a debate because it's a debatable matter. It's an ijtihad issue. It's on usul. We're not talking about something which is agreed upon amongst the scholars. So you need to be aware of that. And your, your scholars, like our Shaykh, Shaykh Uthaymin rahmatullah, he was playing that card just like everyone else. And that's fine and we ex- accept that we respect that but more important about that we need to understand and realize when it's being played okay and so there's lots of things happening with all of these let's not pay, take any let's not take any chances let's not yani uh, uh be around the bush anyway so we'll continue on that as well but i just want to finish that point off about the face that they considered therefore that a person has to cover their face in that moment uh uh when uh, someone foreign is passing by yeah It, and that that shows that you can't just study fiqh by itself you yani deen cannot be studied in isolation you can't study hadith by itself without studying fiqh and when you study hadith by itself then and you try to learn your religion from hadith you, you become a robot and it becomes and you become a not just a robot a confused robot because there's so much contradiction and if you start to learn just fiqh from the fuqaha then you realize that these are people who are trying and doing different things for the people and they're trying to help and whatever, whatnot, and they're taking a lot of li- a lot of liberties along the way, and a lot of weak issues get in, and then you start then getting a lot of culture that comes into the religion. So, so I'll give you two classic examples. I'll give you the the Kind of stereotypical neo Salafi madhali who doesn't, he yani considers it completely haram to follow any madhab that is should or 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 you know, if not haram then completely backwards. taqleed is a disaster. You are a whatever, and we should all follow the Quran, and Sunnah, and and not just Quran, Sunnah, but only one or two scholars who understand the Quran and Sunnah. So what's our exp- what is there outwardly and internal kind of uh, expression? This kind of walking, talking, kind of Megatron kind of when he prays, when he. speaks when he gives dawah the way that he understands this is all haram this is all haram this is this this is halal and it's like strange there's no thought yeah and he's strange rulings he makes crazy kind of things makes things difficult upon the people uniformed sect kind of thing appears that's someone who's gone hadith crazy right and very little fiqh and really exposure to the imams and the principles and usul and studying and opening horizons and studying history etc now you've got the other side, people who are unaware of fiqh whatsoever, uh, uh, unaware of hadith whatsoever, unaware of evidences whatsoever. They only follow yani, uh, the, the, the Islam as is taught to them when they ask who, who are you, I'm Hanfi or I'm Shafi, I'm whatever. I uh, basically just follow my Imam, I speak to him and he tells me what to do and that's it. What, that's the majority of the Muslim Ummah. And what do you have there? You have basically zombies. They're walking around cultural yani, expressions of Muslims. The zombies know nothing. They wouldn't know an evidence if it slapped them in the face. They wouldn't know any where their religion comes from. They've got no intellectual connection with their religion. There's a lot of fraud, a lot of shame, a lot of sin, a lot of, you know, a lot of things become normalized. Culture then becomes, makes it comfortable and it becomes an, an exterior and interior, which we all recognize. So I want to say to you that you can see these two models quite easily of someone who takes one half of the religion and doesn't take the rest as a whole, and another person takes another half of the religion and doesn't take Yani you know, another. and this could go the same for all levels, someone who only focuses on the Quran, if you focus too much on the Qur'an, you start to ignore the rest and you start to leave Islam completely, you're apostate. If you're someone who only focuses on the military side of things, then you turn into whatever you turn into. And if you only focus on the politics of everything, and everything has to be, be seen in a political lens, and everything has to start from the top, and Islam doesn't be, yani start with the hearts and so on, then you get a political Islamist Islamism. And these phrases, even though we hate them, they do have some kind of basis. There is some kind of argument to be able to differentiate any you know, folks into this. There is this kind of idea, unfortunately. And that's a problem. That's why we are our own biggest enemies. Even though we might you know, curse BBC, stop using the word Islamist because you're using too much of the word Islam in that phrase. And stop cussing Wahhabism and stop c- claiming everything Wahhabism except that actually there is a re- general reality. There is a... Uh, 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 the scholars themselves recognize that there is a Wahhabi kind of... Uh, uh what's the word overplay or extreme yani that a man has been lifted to such a level is again is people not being academically honest not reading history not stepping back if you look at our major criticism of for example the brelvis and brailism okay that whole yani group of people it's really aimed upon this ahmad raza khan the founder and how they took him to this level. And he was there at the time of the partition. If you look at reality, what the majority of the people in this country are, the Obandis or Brailwis, okay? I mean, the Paks, you know, the Indians, the, 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 the Bengalis, the, 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 the whatever, the, the Pakistanis. If you see South Asians, they are, they are generally into these two groups. At that time, you either went into this way or into this way. The, the, the Obandis became a school. They didn't try to focus too much on individuals and create a school. Whereas the Brailwis, they created a figure, and this figure come up with loudest bakwas you ever heard right and they created their own sect which has become pretty strong you know it's ironic that you got salafis or wahhabis or whatever cussing the braille of his hardcore and not seeing what they have become themselves they've become the monster that they are warning other people against where they took another scholar a good man okay who didn't have nonsense come out but also had his strong points his weak points his problems his issues his politics you look at Sheikh Abdul wahhab okay and you'll see that there's political play all over the place there are some things that you want to close your eyes on. If you want to, when you look at the history of Ahmad Raza Khan and you want to cuss him for becoming the friends of the British yani when, the India, when India was destroyed, well, how about looking at what Abdul the Wahab and the people around him, the deals they made with the British to destroy the, Uth- the Uthmani Empire. So I'm just saying that what? I'm saying that we can't be this person in the middle, just kind of like radical, uh, free radical that just cusses everyone and just kind of tries to swim by themselves. No, but we have to be aware of reality, history politics truth be academically honest when we study study with many, as, as many people as we can and be very very proud of our asad you know this is not some kind of this is not some kind of unity speech i'm talking about you know how I hear this, or we can hold hands whatever no no there's bid'ah there are people who are wrong there's people who are deviants the salaf the, the salaf are, are, are the haqq the aqeedah of the salaf and the athar is the truth the, to to move away from that as an aqeedah you are in all kinds of quicksand you're not kuffar, you are not in the fire, but you are in a, a problem, a historical problem, a historical deviation. If you follow the aqidah of the shaira, or the maturidiyah, or the naqshbandiyah, or the and you will definitely fall into some kind of issue. You know what? I can already feel my, my drugs yani, kicking in. <laughs> yeah, guys, what the heck's happened? So, so Yara? I told you guys to control me and focus on the text, yes. and you've sent me God knows where. The- <clears throat> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. What's going on? You see these, these law here. How are we gonna know politics and this, that, whatever? <laughs> Rahan said, can you Rehan is like, can you remind us not to drift off like last week, please? <laughs> okay, take it. Alright. So uh so the next paper statement, it was a question about the text or was it uh uh, uh yeah, 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 don't worry about that, bro. Okay. Well <laughs> uh, Sheikh Uthameen says that it is uh uh, uh it is uh يقرح اللثام ولا فمه وأنف بأن بِأَنْ يضع الغطرة أو العمامة أو الشماغ على فمه وكذلك لا أَنْفِ لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نهى أن يغطي الرجل فاه في الصلاة ولأنه قد يؤدي إلى الغم وَلَوَلَا عدم بيان الحروف عند القراءة والذكر uh, so Sheikh says that a person, for example, wears a shemagh. You know, shemagh. Shemagh is that you know the tea cloth that, that the, the, the the Saudis wear, basically. Okay, and their imamah could be basically the turban with a loose end and the uh, what's the other one that he said? The ghutra Actually, actually, the ghutra is the same. Actually, I have no idea what the difference between a shemagh and a ghutra is.
1: Shemagh is the red one.
0: Ghutra the white. What is it? Yeah, just colors. Yes. Yeah, and actually, you know something? Uh, so Sheikh said that the Ghutra is the white one and the shimag is the red one. Huh?
1: Shimag,
0: or the red one. What did I say? I said the other way around. Right? Sorry, the Ghutra is the white one and the shimag is the red one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, for me, both are yeah, ridiculous cloths yeah, any entirely, but I can tell you just uh, that there is an entire industry, of course, based around that. I mean, if you go to the shops, if you were to, for example, go to you know to. Uh, I don't even know what it's called anymore, subhanAllah. I'd say Bond Street, but I'm going into London. What's that? King Street. King Street. King Road or King Street? In Manchester City Centre. King Street, yeah. Because we have the old King's Road back in London where it's proper fashion, but I mean, obviously, Manchester. Yeah, I mean, so King, King Street, if you go you go inside to designer shops, you're looking at ties, fold up very nice, couple hundred quid, blah-de-blah. Blah. This is the level that the Ghutras and Shemaghs reach. In Saudi it becomes an industry you go in and you start you know buying all these different cloths and it's brand and it's labeled and you're looking for the little thing exactly the same fashions fashion it's all nonsense okay just saudi's version of gucci that's basically what it is now obviously uh you can't rubbish another person's culture and i've got nothing against that they wear it like that and that's fine it does look incredibly strange when it comes here and i find it incredibly strange when packs go over there and try to put the same on as well Especially when they stand in front of that kind of that photographed copy of the Kaaba, and they take their pictures for the folks back home, wearing the uh, the, the 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 which one's the red one, Yara, Shumar. the shemagh, okay, Ready? wearing the shemagh, the red one, the with the shalwar kameez on, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> with the shalwar kameez on. I can see the picture right now. So, so what's interesting for me is that there is a genuine I don't want to say racism, but classism. The genuine classism when i used to be in medina i used to study in medina and i used to make it a point that i used to stay away from everyone because it's like you know medina is a blessed place but a full of fools full of fools okay and so uh, there's groups and there's cults and there's yeah any the cliques and there's this and that and there's this idea that if you sit in a lesson with a white uh khutra on you're trying to say that you're a bit above and beyond yeah and the rest of the students and if you wear the shemagh. Then, and you must wear a shimak and you're not yani, allowed to wear the white ghutra until you've graduated into senior talibul ilm and all this kind of nonsense which is this nonsense color-coded can you bloody believe that yani, in madinatul manawwara in yani, the house of knowledge where you've got so many scholars and we have hadith of the prophet ﷺ that don't 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 just talk about the excellence of Medina. you know all of those but talk about the excellence of the scholars in Medina. just want you to know that there are a number of our hadith which were made which are authentic which don't just talk about Mammalik, but that the scholars of Medina have a special little extra. And so, amongst that, you still see some crazy stuff. So, um, uh, you got folks there that really start to lose the plot with, with this stuff. Anyway, they're wearing this. And what some people will do is that they will take that loose end because it's obviously two loose ends isn't it yeah and they will actually tuck it in and it will cover their thing you like you know like that now that's not permissible because the prophet sallallahu prohibited that why because of creating this kind of you know what, what's happening here creating a fear creating this weird look creating this kind of situation but specifically sheikh mentioned here that it gets in the way of the recitation so if you can't hear it clearly just like i'm covering my mouth you can't hear the words dhikr comes out wrong the qira comes out wrong therefore it is maqru for someone to do however as he said if there's a reason person sneezes if there is yani a uh uh there's a, he's got a cold he wants to protect the other people from yani getting infected etc then he covers his mouth and end the story he does also mention here that if there's a stink then you wanna cover yourself, then that's fine. Now I've gotta say that that's the only thing that I've ever used one of those things for, okay? and there can sometimes be a disaster like that okay the great blessing of being in that situation in medina is that normally you have literally three miles to walk into and sixty thousand gaps here yeah, and you to escape if someone does come to you and stinks really badly so one step forward can also help you in that sense as well however i just want you to know that sheikh mentions that that if he has an allergy if he has zukam is cold yeah um or there's or there's a raiha kariha, and i just want you to know by the way this is very important at the personal level that smell is something very important okay i don't know at what i think it's i think it's fiqh salah i think that i really go into smell do i is it fiqh salah when i talk about perfuming and i went to the economic forum and that i was sharing a room with the perfumer was that, was that fiqh as-sala have i ever mentioned that here okay i don't i don't know if i should just go into that now but i do i do want to say at least a few things um, that uh, someone sent me a clip the other day there's a program currently um, which is uh, on I mean I mean actually there's about a hundred programs on about billionaires now millionaires super lifestyle blah 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 there's a guy in London at the moment okay um, that people hire and he's so busy that he can't deal with it all okay they ask him to create sense 25 grand a pop okay now I thought that Shazad wore expensive stuff okay Right? My man pays hundreds of pounds, Yani. okay? Absolute hundreds of pounds. He's, I, don't know, I don't know how much. Yani. He said, to, he, he said to me on the phone the other day, in defense, he said, isn't it the Prophet who said, isn't it the Prophet? Actually, in fairness, he said, isn't there hadith? Isn't there hadith? That, that, that. And I said, Shaz, Shaz, Shaz. I said, it's the statement of Umar. And he said that there is no extravagance in, there is no israf in the teeb, that a person cannot yani, go too far, uh, so first of all, it's not hadith, but it is a statement of a companion, that a person cannot spend too much on perfume, meaning the full shabam, because perfume is perfume. And I just want to say that if you're into perfume, you fully get this. Because perfume is more than just smell, it's emotion, it's love, it's, it's life, it's life. No, this is me, this is me. <laughs> this is a wannabe Shaz. I'm like I'm Shaz- I'm like Shazad's Shargar. You know what Shargar is? What you know what you call the student? You know the Sh- Sh- Shigar? Shagird. shigird
2: shigird Shagird. <laughs> spell it for me? Uh Gaf, uh, Ra, Yeah,
0: I'm I'm Shazad's Shagird. Telmid no? Little miskin uh, haji, like at his feet. Yeah, and when he puts his perfume on, I'm just like ducking, so <laughs> the little drop might come upon me as well. Quickly rub it upon my bre- my beard and just get excited. I'm basic guy, right? But I want to say to you that this clip that I saw. So he goes and he makes, and 25,000 is minimum order, and you get 500 scented candles for that. Okay, and then after that, then you just get whatever is is, yeah. No, no, it's not cheap at all, Yara. You work out. How much does that make each candle? Someone do the maths? 25 grand, 500. What's the maths quickly? 50 quid. So, 50 quid a candle. No, but that's minimum, order. minimum order. That's correct. Yeah, you can't order less than that. You can't order less than that. Minimum order. And as for minimum cent, I think it's 50 grand yeah i mean the guy's on his own thingy and i saw his thing i mean basically he's got oils and in fairness he pulled out a little bottle i mean that bottle i i mean that bottle was the size of just this bottle top and that much okay and he lifted it he goes you know to the camera guy he goes smell that he goes i paid thirty thousand pounds for that the other day so it's fresh jasmine that was squashed and crushed and it was that i mean you know there's a crazy industry out there for real purity and real whatever whatnot and listen the guy was walking and the, 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 the woman who, uh, was, who had hired him out wanted a mood in the house. This is for the house. It's not even to bloody wear. Just to understand yeah, the importance of smell. Okay. Now in classes, you know, uh, um, you see, this is very, uh, it's very important. Smell has a very powerful role. Okay. Uh, for al-Maghrib, al- you know, uh, what, what do we do you know, on a weekend we try to find a scent that creates an emotional anchor. Because when you go for a weekend, it's not just the class you go for. You go for the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the enjoyment. It's fun. It's an experience. that is an Iman boost. And the idea is that you want to remember that great time. And sometimes, subhanAllah, look at, the, look, at, look at the human body. It will not remember the occasion or the knowledge or the thing, but it will remember the smell. And so you smell that smell and you automatically become happy because you remember, subhanAllah, it was a great weekend. We, we learned this, we did that. Everything comes rushing back. And we all work like that. You all smell something and it reminds you of something else. This is a reality of your youth, of this, of that, whatever. So smell is something very, very powerful. And people don't understand that, you know. So you everyone should recognize they should invest in good smells, that they should know that it, 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 it's not just... it. Increases the mood of people Genuinely makes people feel happy Causes yani, uh, a better state of Tadabur, Tafakkur Likewise the opposite Bad smell can destroy everything See how much I look after you? SubhanAllah All of,
2: that just All of
0: this that I learned from Shazad See that? Just to make me happy Just to make me happy He keeps me happy Wallah he keeps me happy That's the first thing When I go and I meet someone And I give them a hug They've got to smell nice <coughs> Otherwise I'm going to tell that person straight <laughs> bro you're not smelling right just put a little bit Yani. you know investment whatever here's a bit of help on along the way this is one of shazad's rejects take some of this Yani. <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> so so um uh uh where are we shaz uh, yeah so i was just going to say yeah that you know there's no joke that when he says that a person's yeah yani, stink, he's thinking and so yes you grab your, your thingy. I think it's completely permissible for you to grab your jacket. I always put perfume on the inside of this, by the way, here. Okay? Now, a lot of pe- You see, it's very interesting. Because you know... Have a think about this. Okay? I used to work, by the way. Just so that you know. I used to work on a perfume counter as well. Shaz doesn't... Yeah, he, he, Shaz thinks he's a big daddy, but he just knows nothing. Okay? <laughs> Let me just make that clear. You must have seen that video of that pack guy who shows how to put the perfume on. When he goes like that. You've also seen that one, yeah. That's an absolute classic, yeah. But you know, we're told, yeah, <coughs> when we're trained, or we're talking about like 30, 35 years, thirty years ago, whatever, okay, that you walk into perfume, okay. All the girls are going, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, you don't spray it on yourself because if you see shaz yeah if you're ever fortunate enough to ever room with shaz okay or live with shaz you'll see shaz you'll have a heart attack when you see him yeah he goes through perfume one bottle like every couple of weeks 100 mils 100 quid a pop intense gucci or something like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah intense oud. how long bro just tell me That's straight ago, no, on camera bro say right now 900 mils of gucci intense oud, which is 90 flipping quid how quickly did you go through it bro I'll tell you how, I'll tell you how I'll tell, let, me, let me put it this way A couple of weeks Because Don't listen to him Because he would put a different one on every day But let me just tell you how he does it Okay Right He we go That's ex- I'm not exaggerating Because if I'm exaggerating Allah is my witness That's how he does it About 50 And he does it super quick And it's all super quick Is it true or not true? But Omar is sitting here. Omar Omar is not gonna lie. Is that true? Is that not how I'm just describing? Super close. Super yani, whatever. Now, apart from how crazy that is, yeah. But here's the interesting thing, subhanAllah, and this is the and this is why I love Shazad. This is why he's my yani. okay? It's entirely for himself, not for anyone else. That's the point. Do you understand that? Because that's against all of the rules of perfume. The rule of the perfume is that it needs to be on the edge so that other people smell it. So that's why you're meant to go like this and then go like that, and literally just getting the edge of it, right? It's meant to be touching and on the, yeah, on the, uh, kind of in the air around you, so that when people are coming and it's light and people can, whereas when Shaz does it, he himself wants to be the one that smells nice. So people When they get close to him They will smell nice He's not doing it for other people Whereas there are others That do it for themselves uh, do it for others Alright Now I don't, know, I don't know what the point I'm trying to make I just want to make it clear That the people who put perfume on For themselves And the people who put perfume on For others Okay There's a narration of Umar By the way That, that he, there is a narration And it's yani, Not very weak But it's not very strong either He said that uh, That is sadaqah uh, okay and that makes complete sense of course because when you go past a nice smelling guy puts you in a good mood just like anything else someone wants to pass you your shoes you feel happy someone wants to give you some money you feel happy you come across the guy smells nice if i come across the guy smells nice wallah puts me in a very nice mood very nice mood Yep, so it's sadaqa, it makes sense. Okay, so there's definitely an argument for it to be all that everything, but there's another argument to be feel for yourself. You yourself want to feel better. So I said, I always keep smell here and here so that I can, if I'm standing next to someone who stinks, just i get this and just and get back into a, a normal zone again. Just a little bit of advice to you for you there, guys. It's allowed, it's permissible. This movement is permissible. Okay, all right. Okay. So it is makruh that a person he tries to draw up his sleeves like this. That's drawing up the sleeve. You see that, okay? Oh luffuhu, which is the standard. Yep, just yani making left Yep, a uh, 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 folding. Both of these are makruh. Okay. Wow, well, this is a big statement. We need to look at this first of all. Straight off the bat, there are. Um, the, the uh, when you look at the four Imams, Abu Hanifa, Shafi'i, and uh, and Ahmed bin Hanbal, or their Madhahib, I should say, these three schools, they consider this to be across the board. Makro in every time, at all times, not just the prayer. And also from these three schools, they've got Imams in those three schools, the Shafi'i, Hanafi, and Hanbali school, that also said it's haram. They took it to another level. And only the Maliki school, they said it is makruh only and only in the prayer and why did they do that because of the hadith which is right in the middle the prophet sallallahu the middle of page 194 he said umirtu an asjuda ala akufa i was commanded to prostrate upon seven limbs and to not draw up uh, I don't know even what the word is, you know, but you know, this, what's that? Pull up? Draw up? Roll. Ro- is that roll up? I think roll up, yeah. Bec- but, but people think that's rolling. Okay, so whatever that is, I don't even know what the word is, but whatever that is, yeah. And that I do not fold up or roll up or pull up any hair or clothes. Any hair or clothes. That's a hadith of the Prophet. And it's narrated in Bukhari in the book of the Adhan. Uh, and the details are at the bottom, uh, footnote 2. What does Sheikh say? And he said something interesting so that you know. He says, in Arabic, I want you to be very clear that kum, yani, is that you, you pull it so that it lifts up. You pull it so that, you, that it lifts up that you fold it up so that it lifts up. So the end conclusion is the same. It has been lifted up. Lifted up. But in one, it's pulled, and the other, it's been rolled. But the, So clearly, from a linguistic point of view, an indication is being made, or rather not linguistic, from a technical point of view, in the hadith, he's trying to say that in fiqh, rather, not, sorry, I'm being all over the place, in fiqh, that one is being referred to as being pulled, another one is being referred to as rolled or folded, in order to show that it's been taken from its normal position and lifted. And now the question has to be asked: Why? First of all, why would a person do that? And why is it prohibited? So I put it to you: Why do people do that? I put it to you: Go, go on. Let's have a discussion.
2: Maybe it's hot. be longer.
0: Too long? Okay it's too hot you want to uh, expose some of the skin to some air okay what else you don't want your clothes to get dirty okay remember that sleeves are not always like this some sleeves are huge especially females with their dresses yeah could be huge wet. Uh-huh. Could, be wet. could be wet you don't like the wet feeling of uh, clothes against skin so you've lifted them up for water and super high to make sure that you know you don't get it whatever then i'll dry then i'll bring them down uh, because it's too big maybe too baggy too flappy so you want to get it under control okay it could be uncomfortable. Maybe as well, so you okay so maybe the style or the, the the fashion is uncomfortable and so therefore you want it off okay any other reason just simply had no intention <laughs> you mean it was just simply up for another reason and you had no intention yeah uh uh Anyone else? Anything else? Any other reasons? Because it catches on things, so you found that it was a safety issue, a genuine safety issue. Not on things, but like, for example, if you're praying,
1: this part's super long. Yeah, and, and
0: and and when you stood up, your your foot went on it. For example, good example. That's very good. That happens sometimes with a uh, certain you see with women's clothes, and maybe a man has got a thobe that long as well. So that there is an issue. What does the Sheikh then say? He says, It is not something which is any differentiated whether it's in the prayer or just before the prayer. It is something which is not permissible and it is to be considered in its yani, general, uh, uh, general sense. They said, the scholars said, and that his prohibition of lifting up the thobe covers all clothes, as thobe kullihi, yani, and in all manners, whether he pulls it from the top, from the bottom, from the side, whether he does this, all of this is considered to be makruh according to the hadith. Okay, he goes, sometimes some people will do For example, they will. So let's use an izar because uh, an izar, the Prophet said that, uh, that anything from the izar that is below the ankles is in the hellfire. Okay? The famous hadith Bukhari. Anything from the izar which is in the hellfire, anything from the izar which is below the ankles is in the hellfire. Now, if you had an izar which is one long dress, theoretically what could you do? You could fold it up from the bottom again and again and again. And you could if it's a waistcloth, cloth you could wrap it up from the waist and just keep lifting it and keep lifting it both ways you've lifted it lifted it and you folded it and the sheikh said there's no difference in how you actually do it but in the fact that you actually do it okay um, and he goes and he, uh, he goes another thing to consider is that this is not from Zina when a person does this it doesn't look right this is not from tamamu zina, he says. It's not, yani, from the best way of, of, of beautifying yourself. inna عِنْدَ النَّاسِ أَنْ يَكُونَ الثَوْبُ غَيْرَ مَكْفُوفَ He said that in principle, well, he didn't say in principle, but I'm adding in principle, he goes, people understand that a thobe should flow. And that's actually true, I think, I, I think we all accept that if you see a thobe with a per, yani, it's true, isn't it? When you see a guy with his thing, it's about, let's muck in let's get dirty right it's time to get dirty so you you do that isn't it when it's time to it depends, it's, subjective. Yeah, it's very not subjective most of the time 90 95% of the time the only reason you're gonna lift it up is because you're gonna get under the car you're gonna go into the engine you're gonna start operating you're gonna whatever but it's dirty it's dirty it's work it's thingy and a person comes like this Sheikh and he makes a straight-up point he goes you're gonna go and see your boss are you gonna go and see him like that And the answer is no. You're absolutely going to put your sleeves down. That's across all cultures, all history, all time, all civilizations. It's the immediate thing that you do. You put your hands, you put your things. So there is a point that's being made there, which needs to be uh, considered. Okay. Um, He goes, also, people do this because they are, they don't want their clothes to get dirty. Now, this is really difficult. Okay, because yes, if you are outside in a in a rough area, no one likes the yeah, idea that they've got a clean white thobe on, and it's going to go on the on the floor and it's going to become dirty. No one likes that. Now there's a there's a there's a I don't know also there's a divergence or there's a meeting point or there's a scale and uh, a balance I don't know but there is a point where someone from the other side and i've got this horrible stereotype in my head okay of a guy who doesn't pray very much and he really looks down upon people and he wears super long kind of expensive thobes and he does really look down upon the idea of praying outside and that's very easy that person to visualize in that hadith in this hadith and you can think that's got to be the guy who the prohibition is for and they can't apply to me why would it apply to me i'm happy to pray anywhere i'll pray anywhere in any kind of manner however you doing that in your trousers jacket which is getting dirty a little bit here and there and you're uh, uh, prostrating upon a concrete floor a tiled floor a, a civic building a hospital these places are generally clean Let's see you do that kind of behavior yeah, in a wet kind of arena outside, where there's mud and where there's dirt and whatever, openly. And let's see you, the same person who do that, do the same with your Eid clothes on. <laughs> now, here is the problem: At what point do we say every insan yeah, has a has a valid haq of wanting to not want to wash their clothes again? And at what point does it become arrogance? I have no idea. I just know that it's just too easy to say that everyone who's trying to stop their clothes getting dirty and lifts up something, that they're all in the in the fire because it is hadith, or they're all, yani, doing something makruh. Okay, not haram. Let's make it clear. But they're doing something macro i find that difficult to swallow i'm going to be very very honest with you i think that there is space for normal people who they see something whatever that they they they, they might for example for example if the dirt is of two types because i'll just i'll give you my own example if i'm praying outside i will look at a situation and you know that if you're praying in a dusty area you're not so fussed you'll go for it because you can dust it off but if you're praying in a certain muddy type of area, you're taking different type of precautions. I also will tell you that I'm not so fussed by what is happening to the bottom of my thobe, as I am what's happening to the sleeves of my thobe, Because that's more closer to the my, my yeah, any visual kind of appraisal. When people are appraising me as a person, they're looking to this area and not so much at people's feet and so down. I mean, that's a subjective statement in itself. I don't know. And what I'm trying to say Sheikh Uthameen makes a very interesting point here. He goes, he goes, a person who lifts his thobe up, Yani, في and this is a sign, this is this is like a type of arrogance or pride, the negative type of a person who's trying to stop his clothes touching the floor. It is therefore an absolute necessity that he lets his thobe out and not worry about that. And this is, listen to what he says here. That's a big statement that he, I don't know if there's any evidence for, but look at this. He says it's, it's possible that a person will be rewarded for every single thing that touches the floor when he prays okay now we do have hadith that the hair should make prostration now where did the hadith remember the hadith said the original hadith it said that not and no hair or no thawb should be pulled up i told you about this a couple of weeks ago that people they, they they've got long hair like a male we're talking about here who's got long hair and he's washed it or cleaned it he doesn't want to touch the floor and just for the prayer he then folds it up you get what i'm saying okay and because you know maybe he thinks that you know something like you know really special or something and here we know that the hair also makes sajda so when a person goes for sajda and the hair also falls down in the sajda or you know falls down or lets loose there is some kind of submission there's a there's there's a great greater level of islam there's a greater level of prostration and submission that's happening when everything is going down the floor um um I think you guys get what I'm saying. I think you guys get what I'm saying. I think you understand that how it could make sense that a person laying everything go would be a good thing, even if it got dirty. and I think you also understand how tricky it is to find that exact point at where is it that a person needs to be careful that he's not being too arrogant in stopping his clothes yeah, and getting dirty. Does that make sense?:
2: Well, yes.
0: So, uh, so 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 Zafar said isn't that the illa that you're feeling arrogant so I put it to you define arrogance so having pride Def- in what you what, what 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 was pride what's impermissible pride It's permissible to look good Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jamal Allah is beautiful loves to see beauty uh, a person yani, should show his beauty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes people to wear good clothes clean clothes nice smelling clothes White, yeah, there's some good, yeah, any good signs about white. Why would a person intentionally want to look rough? If
2: someone looks down on some other people. Just
0: right, okay. So now we're starting to get closer to something. You start looking down upon a person. Okay, guess what? There's not a person around at all for, 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 for days. It's only me. Maybe it's not humbling itself before Allah. Like so, it. so, so, so here's the issue. Yeah, a person saying that, you know, a, a holding back. It's like holding back. If you're holding your sleeves back because I want to touch the floor, it's like, am I humbling myself completely? Am I going full in? Am I going full in? Right? Is that the problem or not? You see, here's the issue, and now we're going to come to it. There is now another problem Isbal. We said that the Prophet has prohibited Isbal. The Isbal is basically allowing something to hang lower than your ankles. Okay? The Prophet said that. Whatever from the izar is below the ankles is in the hellfire. Izar is the waistcloth. The mass majority of scholars therefore consider, even though I don't know why people think it's only in the prayer, but the mass majority of the scholars consider it to be impermissible for anything to be below the uh, ankles. Anything. Trousers, dress, a, a male dress, thobe, I mean and robes, and Izar, and Ihram, and whatever. It's only a minority that have, have had the guts, classically speaking, have had the guts to say, no, the only people that this hadith applies to are those people who are khuyala al-kibriya because they're doing it out of arrogance and they're doing it out of thinking because Abu Bakr came to the Prophet the authentic hadith and he said, Ya Rasulullah my thing is falling down it's going below I can't keep it up I try to put it up and it falls down again and I tried to lift it up and it falls down again so what do I do? Abu Bakr, you are not from those people, don't worry which gave everyone the license to say, ah Meaning that it's about humility and a thing as a normative scenario and when it goes underneath you are being arrogant and when it falls you're worried, therefore you're not arrogant. So that's their response. People say, I never am arrogant when mine go underneath. Well they miss a very key point here. Number one, what was Abu Bakr worried about then? Everyone missed that, right? Yeah, and if everyone's all happy, whatever one or why did Abu Bakr himself not want it to go underneath his ankles himself also. I'll say something else as well. If you're from this culture, this is difficult to understand, but if you've lived abroad enough, especially in Arab countries, you will know that the thobe and its length is a major thing. And that the people who are people of status, makan, money, they definitely drag their thobes. Okay? Similar to just like, you know, the bride, and you know, I am sure that if she wore a shortish kind of dress, she'd be looked down upon, and certainly the longer her train is, she's more respected, right? Because it seems more money isn't it more you know the longer it is more stupid it gets with more people holding on to it any ridiculousness okay right clearly people think it's a great wedding it's a great dress it was obviously a designer it's obviously a lot of money and a big thing well in a mini version it's the same for the males the idea of your thobe being longer and you'll see this if you're hanging around in the kind of the circles of the kind of saudi's and the Khaleejis and the Gulfs people that a short thobe is clearly r- clearly associated with religion don't want to be part of it more backwardness blah 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 and a long one is associated with wealth position respect secular values and so on that's a reality now that's now forget about back then and we have hadith where the prophet said that the honor of the muslim or the position of the muslim is Saq, which is right there which is half of the this is the saq. what's the saq? shin all right where does the shin start from the knee, just below the knee. So, and it ends where, where? At the ankle, technically at the ankle, okay? So let's measure that, okay? That's like, two, for me, it's two two of these, yeah? So the Prophet said that in the thawb, the optimum position, which is well known, the optimum position is one uh, thingy magic above the, the, the ankle. Handspan, my handspan. Half a half the shin. Okay, that's the optimum position. Then the second position is then everything from there up to the ankle. So on the ankle, so on the ankle, meaning in line of the ankle. Then everything which is below the ankle is in the hellfire. So the Muslim is the male. we not talking about females here, of course. Females are actually told to make it lower, longer, drag whatever it drags, whatever it touches, whatever is impure. The next step then purifies it. Number of hadith, not for our lesson now. But for the males that halfway point is a optimum point okay now you can see doing that is protecting you from any possibility of being arrogant pride dragging this that whatever in that culture and it makes a lot of sense now we've got to discuss this because you've got people who turn around and and we don't wear thobes in this country right now although let me just quickly say That in the countries where people do wear thobes, it's now become almost a stick to be other people to walk around with the thob that high, that I'm religious and I'm this and look at you and people do look down upon others. And so it became now an issue of irony that the sunnah became a point of arrogance against other people. And that's why our teachers and our scholars, we never saw them at all. And they're the people who follow the sunnah more than we ever saw. Okay, all of them from all of the Madahib, we saw them that they would either have their thobe on the ankle or just above it. Okay, thobe on the ankle or just above it. Never this half ankle business, which is clearly the sunnah, by the way. So I want people to know they shouldn't run away from that. The short thobe is where the sunnah is. However, yani, I want you to know that it can become an issue in these cultures. Now, here's the interesting thing. Transfer it here now, we don't wear thobes, okay? We wear trousers. And so now a big discussion started. What does this apply to us as well? Does it apply to trousers? Is a trousers? There's a hadith in Bukhari where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi was uh, where one of the companions, the, one of the Ruat of the hadith, he's, uh, he said, did the Prophet Sallallahu differentiate between the izar and the thawb? And he said, no. izar and the thawb? He said, no. Here's the issue. Thawb means garment. It does not mean this thawb means garment it does not mean this dress that we wear from the saudi kind of you know the arab type garment clothes and izar does mean something like this izar has one opening it's a waist wrapper very important to understand this and the waist wrapper having one opening it's clear that you had the waist wrapper that's rubbing all the way down to your feet Get that thing up. You know what I'm saying? It looks silly. Now, the question is, does it apply to trousers? Some said no. Then they said, what about this? The Prophet he didn't differentiate between a, a garment, not a thobe. even though the word thawb is mentioned, a garment or a thing. Therefore, it should include everything. Well, one of my teachers, he is the uncle of Sheikh Muhammad Hassan al-shanqiti He's passed away now, Sheikh Muhammad Salim, al adud rahmatullah In Mauritania, I I asked him this question, okay? And he has a small article written on this. And his fatwa, which is a very interesting one, which is very unique, is that Isbal doesn't apply to trousers at all. And he said, not because of the Qibriya issue, because a person doesn't feel arrogant when it's below or above. He said that the Hadith, all of them, when they talk about garments, garments at that time was never double. And Izar is always one, the Asal is the Izar. That these are all single opening but double opening that cover the legs this is not linked to arrogance does that make sense now when we look at that it makes a lot of sense because if you saw a person with really long trousers you would you say, guys a fool yeah an idiot or whatever i don't know what you'd say but you wouldn't say that this goes. oh man wish that i was like that guy or you're so mashallah you are so supermarket whatever it is what's that money supermarket yeah you're so amazing right you wouldn't say that you'd say there's something wrong so that is a, that gives strength to that argument as well however there was a response to that there was a response and this is where this becomes I don't know if, it, if the right word is because it becomes a bit silly or it becomes very subjective someone said okay then how do you feel if you lift your trousers above your ankles How do you feel? And the response is, I feel stupid. Or I feel silly, or whatever the wording is. Okay? And by the way, we're talking about a time, not Yanni now, where, well, you know, you've got that metrosexual thing going on now where it's actually fashionable to have trousers above, you know, you need a straight, clean cut trouser that's above your ankle with a nice, flat kind of loafer. That's a fashion thing. That's a, that's a, I was here for a couple of years, it'll be gone in a few years, right? So let's not include that. I'm talking normative trousers, normal. You would say to a person, that "You are lifting your trousers up, and they're kind of, you know, floating like that. How do you feel?" And you'd say, "I feel like an idiot." And then, how do you feel when you bring them down four or five inches? I feel normal again. They say, "There you go. There's the arrogance." They said, "There you go. There's something in your heart." What the heck is that? That's what Birsa just just went like that. So I just also do that. Hundred percent agree i think this is a ridiculous argument i believe that a person has a right to look normal i don't think that a person wanting to look normal means he's looking arrogant so i don't believe so i by the way didn't even introduce the whole issue of 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 arrogance and do i feel super proud and i'm above you or not but that's a valid discussion that's a valid discussion that is it possible that none of these apply i can tell you now that the majority of scholars and muslims that follow those scholars that wear trousers below the ankles do not wear it because of what i said they wear it because their scholars told them that you're not doing it because of arrogance therefore it's allowed and that's an acceptable fatwa what i've just added is something which is very rare people don't know about this that there's a scholarly discussion that actually it doesn't even apply to trousers because sheikh muhammad salim still applied it to thobes because his uh, nephew does and 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 i do okay meaning that an a thob it mustn't go below the ankle and there is something there out of arrogance and there is something there and i i can tell you now i've felt it I've got a couple of thobes at home which are you know a bit long and when I wear it I feel different to how I feel when I'm wearing a shorter one. So I know what that meaning is. But if I'm wearing a trouser, I'm wearing it full length, below the ankle, don't worry, not a problem because there is no arrogance. Now what's the relevance to here? The relevance is that what do people who think it's haram, what do they do? Roll it up. They roll it up. Or if they've got the shalwar, they roll it up from there thingy- and that's not allowed either. Or is it not allowed? It is allowed, isn't it? But it's makruh. And now we have an issue. We have a haram, if you think it to be haram, and we have a makruh if you think it to be makruh. What do you do when these two come and clash? So if you believe that isbal is haram in your clothes, and you believe that to fold it up is makruh to get away from it, then obviously you are allowed to then fold up to get out of the problem. See? who's giving the adhan?
2: Who's
0: giving the adhan? Adhan? Yes mashaAllah you see you see that before the adhan he gave the itar because this is the respect of the adhan Zahkar. learn from
2: your uncles Allahu akbar Allahu akbar Allahu akbar Allahu
0: To just remind you of the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in the authentic hadith that whoever drags his thawb his which means his garment okay, out of arrogance will neb, neb, will not smell, will not smell the scent of paradise. Okay? So again, dragging, you don't drag trousers. You don't drag two-legged things, you drag a single flowing thing, okay? So I'm very comfortable in that opinion, that people are allowed to wear their trousers below their ankles. But I also want to add a, a, a note of caution, because I do actually very strongly believe that a person with a thobe that doesn't wear it out of arrogance, he's also allowed some leeway. However, I want to add a note of caution that Sheikh Mohammed Hassan Adedou mentions here. He goes that when the scholars debated this, that the Prophet ﷺ said ما أسفل من, he said, مَا أسفل من الكعبين في النار, whatever is below the two ankles is in the hellfire he ﷺ that's a very clear hadith whatever is below the ankles is in the hellfire and then whoever drags their thawb out of arrogance then he will not smell the paradise now there's two separate hadith Okay, that's what they then said they said oh hold on, hold on this one said, yani, uh, therefore, this is the general, what we call mutlaq, and this is muqayyid, this is the restricted one, because it said, whoever drags his thawb, khuyala, yani, out of arrogance, so that's got a restriction to it, and whenever you, so there's a specific scenario, and this is general, this applies to everything, they said, whenever you have a general and a specific, then the specific always specifies the general, yeah, this is what you, this is why you study usul fiqh and therefore, it can only mean that a person who wears a thaw below the ankles that pulls it out of or wears it out of arrogance, is the one who is in trouble. Sheikh Adedou, uh, 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 he makes a point. He goes, that's correct. But it's also possible to say that the mutlaq remains in its place and the muqayyid remains in its place, meaning something shocking. A person will do haram for anything that goes underneath the, the ankles. And he will get a double extra haram if it's done out of arrogance and he said that's a valid fiqhi position and I just wanted to mention that to you as students of knowledge that you know that it's not always that the muqayyad has to specify the general maybe we can leave the specific in its right place and apply it and leave the general in its place and apply it as such a valuable lesson that you've just learned there because okay? it shows to you that in fiqh you are not always, when, you, when, you're, when you're working out a soul and work out what to do, the evidences, and you come across two evidences, it's not always. Because most of the time what scholars do, they will try to work out what's the one to give priority to, or what's the one which is weaker, or what's the one which is rejected, or what's the one which is abrogated, or what's the one which is general so that the specifier specifies. You've not heard this one, have you? Where you keep the general in its place, the specific in its place, and apply both. And if you to do it here, it would mean that for whatever reason you had something below the ankles and it was below, it would be it's in the fire, you're in trouble. And if you were to also be arrogant about it, then you're in trouble again twice. So that's a valid opinion. However, I just want to make it clear that the class position is, as I said, that I believe that a person should not for any reason have a thobe underneath his ankles. It should not go below his ankles. And I believe that it is permissible in the trousers because it neither falls into thawb or izar and there's no arrogance in the, tr- the trousers being below. That's my class position. Yeah, you was gonna ask. I was gonna ask because you mentioned, I think in relation
2: to the folding, that it was macrues.
0: Yes. <coughs> it kept going between and haras. Yes. I to so what I, wanna, what I wanna say is that there are some scholars that said there's no way that you would not fold To avoid the haram of your long thawb being so long you need to do something so if you need to lift it up and hook it up or you need to fold it up or they also apply to trousers so if you are going to got those trousers on we want you to fold it up because there's no way that that thing is either remaining makroo now it's become obligatory to fight off the haram or they say it is makroo but it's a lesser issue than you falling into the haram that's what i meant We believe that it is safer to follow that position, that if it is below the ankles, a thawb for a male, then it is haram. However, we put a caveat to say that there's definitely a very strong basis for those people that said that's only if it's done out of arrogance. But as a class position, we will say that we will keep it at that level, at the ankle level for thawbs, for for, for dress type material, and for trousers, it's permissible, shalwar it is permissible for it to be underneath the ankles because the hadith of the prophet ﷺ of did not specify two-legged clothes only one-legged dresses, uh, one-legged, one legged dresses one leg one, one opening and by the way this has nothing to do with the prayer Everyone thinks it's something to do with the prayer. There is ne- not a single evidence that suggests that this is specific to the prayer. That's a cultural thing. We all see our, you know, desi folks that they're wearing their trousers normal, then they come to the salah and then they roll it up. No, if you're going to roll it up, then it needs to be rolled up outside as well. So there is no issue here. So what, what's our class position? Let me just f- close on this yani and get everyone ready for Salah. Uh, uh, unless there's an important... Uh, I think we we'll would have to do these questions. The, 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 the hair, of course, doesn't apply for women. Women have to keep up their hair covered all, all, all times anyway. This is men that have long, long hair that they look after and that they don't want to touch the floor. They should leave it to allow it to touch the floor because the Prophet said, prohibited you to fold it up. Um, a person should avoid rolling avoid lifting, avoid pulling. If a person has got this done already beforehand and he didn't come out for the salah, this is not falling into the prohibition. If it's already, and if they live in a culture where this is the way that people walk around, then it also doesn't apply. Because we are making it clear that khuyala is key in this. And if this is the norm of the society, and that's what people think is akhv zina, you've taken your full beautification, then so be it. However, let's make it clear. People don't like this. This does look yani. I'm ready for go to work, and you should look like yani that you are about to pray. And therefore, to bring your your sleeves down to look smart is an actual objective in the salah, and that's something that we should do. Okay, but the ruling of isbal does not apply to shalwar of shalwar kameez. It does not apply to the trousers of normal trousers or jeans or whatever. These can be below the ankles. But when it comes to a thobe, then the lowest it should be is upon the uh, ankles and. The Prophet Wasallam said in the hadith here, which he mentions here, he says, "Azalatul <laughs> Mu'min ila Ansaf that the izar of the believer is always halfway to his shin. So that's the ideal scenario for a thob. But anything underneath that that goes to the ankle is acceptable. We need to now do isha. We will start our next week. Is what? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But well, that's off the camera. I'm not going to do that thingy, am I? Right. Okay. Yes. Okay, we need to mute this. How do we mute this? Because there's something that I'm going to say that you guys can't hear. No, I can mute it. That's not yeah, mute
2: that. Okay okay I was going to tell everyone here folks here
0: yeah, that we're doing the lesson Tuesday next week <laughs> and it looks like obviously that what Shaz is saying that if you want to join us then you can certainly join us but we cannot do it Wednesday next week the lesson will be live Wednesday Tuesday next week so everybody local here make sure you're here on Tuesday evening between maghrib and isha and on live uh, it's going to be uh, done on Tuesday broadcast on Tuesday it'll obviously be there Wednesday as well it makes yeah, sense maghrib, yeah, yeah after maghrib keep an eye on the the the, the thing whatever the time is okay good point should we uh, do you guys want to do isha uh, you want to see sheikh abdul ghafar Quickly, say online if you want to do that um, i think we're going to turn it on to them anyway isn't it yeah uh,
2: are you
0: okay, right? Yep, so we'll just turn it around okay all right guys jazakumullah khair subhanak allahumma bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah subhanallahu stawa can you just put a mute on the room so
1: we can hear guys please يا من نعبد وبه نستعين المستقيم الذين انعمت <شترك> عليهم غير عليهم الضالين بالله وما كيف يهد الله قوما كفروا بعد ايمانهم وشهدوا ان الرسول حق وشهدوا ان الرسول حق وجاءهم البينات واولئك لهم عدو الله لا يهدي القوم الظالمين والذين فيها لا يخفف عنهم العذاب ولا هم الا الذين تابوا من بعد الله الله The الله of God من أحدهم ملء الأرض ذهبه ولو افتدى به أولئك لهم عذاب أليم وما لهم من ناصرين لن تنالوا البر حتى تنفقوا مما تحبون وما تنفقوا من شيء فإن الله به عليم Allahu <laughs> Akbar.